Welcome to the Spiritual Advantage Podcast, where we discuss how to make a maximum impact with our lives by fulfilling our divine dreams with divine favor, like the great men and women of faith throughout history. I'm Sam Stone, the Light Keeper. You are the light of the world, and I am the keeper. No pun intended. Let's begin. A friend told me that his uncle refused to believe in God because he was a businessman. He said, as a businessman, I lie all the time to negotiate deals for my business. I'm not worthy of being a Christian. Though this sounds funny and quite honest, it reflects many people's sentiment about God, which they want to stay away from, consciously or unconsciously, fearing exposing their skeleton in the closet. We know business is warfare. To be an entrepreneur, you're like a warrior who must learn the art of war. Swinzi's Art of War says that all warfare is based on deception. For example, when you are weak, you must pretend to be strong so that the enemy might think you are too strong and surrender without a fight. When you are strong, you must pretend to be weak so that your enemy will be underprepared so you can easily win. Without deception, warfare will be like a dogfight. Even if you win, you will suffer casualties. So deception is a lesser evil in warfare to reduce collateral damage. Today, most MBA students around the world have to study Sunzi's Art of War because business is warfare, a game of deception. Every deception erodes our integrity and puts weight on our conscience, consciously or unconsciously. As a result, some people prefer to stay away from the holy ground, consciously or unconsciously. Simon Peter was a businessman in fishing business, and when he discovered Jesus' divinity, he asked him to go away. The Bible says, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Luke 5.8 We know Peter was always authentic. He never hid his feelings from the moment he appeared in the Bible to the time he was crucified upside down. Would it be nice if there were no God? Then we can do what we want and don't have to worry about exposing our skeletons in the closet. We all want to live with a clean conscience and deal with everyone with integrity. We all want to do what is right, but we suffer guilt and shame when we miss the mark. Entrepreneurs are warriors who shoot more so they miss more. Last week, we talked about hunger and thirst for righteousness as our fourth step to heaven on earth. The problem is that the more we discover what is right, the more we dislike what is wrong. We become more and more uncomfortable with deception. There are only two choices we have, perfection or purgation. We all know perfection is not possible, so we must practice purgation, which means purging the sins. That's the only way to keep our conscience clean and maintain integrity. That doesn't mean we give up on perfection, but we must pursue both, perfection and purgation. 
That means we must always aim our arrow at the bullseye and prepare for missing the mark. In this fallen world, we will miss the mark for sure. The Bible says we are all sinners. According to the Hebrew word for sin that we discussed last week, it means we are all bad archers. So why don't we just have a contingent plan once for all instead of escaping it? Zhuangzi, the great Chinese philosopher, said that an archer who does not have to worry about missing the mark is more likely to hit the bullseye. If you have the contingent plan, you are less likely to worry and you are more likely to hit the bullseye. Maybe we should be like Charlie Brown aiming his arrow at a plane wall. Lucy asked curiously, Charlie, what are you shooting at? Where's the bullseye? Charlie said, there is the bullseye. He shot the arrow, walked over to where it landed, and drew a bullseye around it. In fact, the Bible says, we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose, Romans 8.28. In plain language, it means if you love God, God would draw a bullseye around your arrow. In life, we have to make a lot of decisions blindly. Sometimes we just have to decide based on our best knowledge and pray that God has mercy on us and draws a bullseye around it. So today, let's discuss the fifth steps to heaven on earth, forbearance, based on the fifth blessing in the Beatitudes. In this blessing, Jesus revealed the secret to live a life of clean conscience especially if you are an entrepreneur, a warrior in the game of deception, you must obtain this blessing to maintain your integrity and clean conscience for your own sanity. Hi, in case we haven't met yet, I'm Sam Stone, the light keeper. You are the light of the world and I am the keeper, no pun intended. It's my calling to help you shine your brightest so that God is glorified in you and you are satisfied in God. Today, we will focus on the fifth blessing in the Beatitudes. It's from the Gospel according to Matthew chapter 5, verse 7. Listen to the word of the Lord. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. Matthew 5, 7. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. This verse is like quantum physics. It makes you wonder which comes first. We have been told that we are forgiven by God first, and we pay it forward to forgive others. But this verse seems to say that our mercy comes first, and then we receive mercy. Anyone who believes that we are saved by God's grace, which is true, must pay serious attention to this verse. In fact, Jesus taught this subject repeatedly. Even in the Lord's Prayer, he taught, Forgive us our sin as we forgive those who sin against us. As we forgive indicates our forgiveness is followed by God's forgiveness. So which really comes first? Jesus famously told the parable of the unmerciful servant. This parable is quite serious because it makes you rethink taking grace for granted. It begins like this. 
For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he began the reckoning, one who owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. Matthew 18, 23-24 A talent is equivalent to 15 years of wages. It's equal to about a million dollars in our time and space. So 10,000 talents means $10 billion. Can you imagine how much this guy owed the king? Don't be surprised, it's nothing new. CNBC reported a while back that government employees owe billions in delinquent taxes. If that is the case, who knows what we will find out if the government settles the accounts like this king. The next verse says, And as he could not pay, his Lord ordered him to be sold together with his wife and children and all his possessions and payment to be made. Verse 25. Unfortunately, he couldn't declare bankruptcy in those days. I don't think if you could do that in heaven either. Now the king decided to liquidate his family and properties to make the payment. So the slave fell on his knee before him saying, Have patience with me and I will pay you everything. And out of pity for him, the Lord of the slave released him and forgave him the debt. Verses 26 to 27. That is a big deal because he begged for an extension but he got the total exemption. Maybe the king knew he would never be able to pay back in his lifetime. Erasing $10 billion debt shows the extent of his mercy. This slave should be kissing the king's feet with tears like Mary Magdalene did. But the story doesn't end there. It says, but that same slave as he went out came upon one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii. And seizing him by the throat, he said, pay what you owe. Verse 28, a denarius an average day's wage. So a hundred denarii might be about $2,000 for our time and space. He just received a $10 billion miracle. But instead of paying forward with his mercy, he wanted his fellow slave to pay him back his $2,000. It's like a drop in the bucket compared to his forgiven debt. Then his fellow slave fell down and pleaded with him, Have patience with me, and I will pay you. But he refused. Then he went and threw him into prison until he would pay the debt. Verses 29 to 30. This man backed him just as he backed the king, but he threw him in prison. People saw that as an injustice and his lack of mercy. When his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were greatly distressed, and they went and reported to their Lord all that had taken place. Then his Lord summoned him and said to him, You wicked slave, I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not have had mercy on your fellow slave as I had mercy on you? And in anger, his Lord handed him over to be tortured until he would pay his entire debt. Verses 31 to 34. 
On the surface, this parable sounds like God has forgiven us first for a much bigger debt, so we must forgive others. What's surprising in this story is that God's forgiveness may be revoked based on how we behave. It sounds like conditional forgiveness, doesn't it? But it's much more profound than that. Jesus concluded, So my heavenly Father will also do to every one of you if you do not forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Verse 35. Putting it in the context of Jesus' entire teaching, God's forgiveness for you is incomplete until you pay it forward. That's why it's like quantum physics. In quantum physics, you shoot a ball from point A to point B, and you check the time of arrival at point B, and sometimes that arrival time is earlier than the departure time. It's mysterious, but it doesn't matter which comes first. Jesus has made it clear that we must forgive. Notice the last phrase, forgive from your heart. Sometimes we think forgiveness means reconciliation. No, forgiveness is from your heart. It's instant and it's immediate. Reconciliation, however, may take time until the wounds are healed. One of the greatest artists and philosophers in human history William Blake said, In heaven, the only art of living is forgetting and forgiving. So if you want to live in heaven on earth, you need to learn this art of living, forgetting and forgiving. Some psychologists say that you should forgive but not forget. I've discovered that we need both. We cannot move forward freely if we carry painful memories in the back of our head. It affects our health and well-being. God says, For I will be merciful toward their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Hebrews 8.12 In His mercy, God forgets our sins too, not just forgive. My father has an excellent memory, and he could remember the surprising details of his past. We often admire people with a good memory, but the downside of a good memory is recalling not just the pleasant past, but also the painful pictures. At a very young age, he had to escape the Japanese bombing of his hometown, running among the pools of blood and bodies. He had written a book about his life. All his friends who read his book were surprised at his vivid recollection of things they had long forgotten. However, we also see his perfect memories had affected his well-being. Conversely, I don't have a good memory. My problem is I forget everything, and sometimes to my wife's frustration. Like William Blake, I wish I could learn the art of forgetting only the unpleasant memories and remembering the good ones. I've discovered that forgiving in your heart can turn unpleasant memories into good ones. You will discover all things work together for the good of those who love God. You know the story of Joseph in the Hebrew scripture. 
His brothers sold him to a slave merchant to Egypt. After many hardship, he became the prime minister of Egypt. When he reunited with his brothers many years later, they worried that he might get revenge since he is so powerful now. But he told them not to worry. He said, even though you intend to do harm to me, God intended it for good in order to preserve a numerous people as he is doing today. Genesis 50, 20. Even though you meant evil, but God meant good. That's a great example of how things work together for the good of those who love God. It shows he had forgiven them long ago in his heart with the belief that God would turn things around for good. God drew a bull's eye where Joseph's arrow has landed. Jesus has made it clear that forgiveness is an act of loving God. His great commandments also reveal that you cannot love God without loving people. Someone once asked me, how do I love people? It doesn't make sense to me. I love my wife and my family, but how do I love others that I don't know or can relate to? Jesus revealed that the answer is that you forgive them. Even though you cannot love a stranger, you can forgive them, can't you? Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, that you love one another. Jesus, I have loved you, you also should love one another. John 13, 34. Jesus said that he has set an example for us. How did he love us? He forgives us by giving us his life on the cross. So forgiving others is an act of loving them as well as loving God. At least that's a start based on what Jesus taught. I've heard many people say they love everyone, but they hold back when it comes to forgiveness. That is hypocrisy. Repeatedly, Jesus revealed, without forgiveness, there's no love at all. We live in a fallen world where we are often told to get even, otherwise we appear weak. We fear people might treat us like a doormat if we keep forgiving. We want justice more than mercy. Simon Peter also felt there should be a limit to forgiveness. So Peter asked Jesus, Lord, if another member of the church sins against me, how often should I forgive? As many as seven times? Matthew 18, 21. The Hebrew tradition is to forgive three times. That's where three strikes and you are out law came from. Seeing Jesus promotes forgiveness, Peter thought increasing it to seven times would be more than generous. He thought Jesus would be proud of him for his magnanimous mercy. However, to his surprise and disappointment, Jesus said to him, not seven times, but I tell you, 77 times, Matthew 18, 22. The phrase 77 times is a word play or pun, which also means 70 times seven. If you understand the Hebrew humor, you will find Jesus to be quite a funny teacher. In any case, Jesus was teasing Peter for his linear thinking. It's not about the number that matters, but about love. If you have love, you don't count how many times you forgive. 
The good news is when you forgive, God will draw a bull's eye around your arrow. Life is full of uncertainty, and we are all poor archers aiming at a shifting target. But our arrows will always land on the bull's eye if we express our love for God by forgiving people. All things work together for those who love God. So let us practice the discipline of forbearance and forgiveness and see God draws a bull's eye around our arrow. That's it for today. I hope you find this message illuminating as much as I enjoy receiving it from the head office. Until we meet again, keep your light shining brighter and broader and harvest the fruit of profound happiness. Amen. Bye now. Thank you for listening. If you would like to maximize your life and leadership by unlocking your spiritual advantage, please feel free to direct message me on Twitter at Samuel Stone or visit SamuelStone.com. I'm looking forward to talking with you. See you on the next episode. Bye now.